Welcome back to Coach Pep Talk, the podcast for life and business coaches. In this episode, we will be talking all about ancient wisdom and modern science with Kathy Clark. So we'll see you on the other side. Coach Pep Talk is brought to you by Life Coach Office, your one-stop shop for managing your coaching business online. And Life Coach Office, if you haven't signed up for the trial yet, is perfect for that single coach coaching business. You can have classroom material and videos available for your clients to support your coaching. You have an automatic coaching journal that's created for every one of your coaching meetings. And basically you just have everything for your clients in one place. It's awesome. I've been using it for years in my coaching business and couldn't imagine life without it, especially since I'm a bit of a nomad and move all over the place and travel a lot during the year. All right. Uh, If you haven't signed up for the Live Coach Office trial yet, go do it. It's seven days for free and you don't need a credit card or anything to sign up. You can check it out at universalcoachingsystems.com slash try hyphen LCO. I'll repeat that again, universalcoachingsystems.com slash try hyphen LCO. This week, we've got Kathy Clark on the show. Kathy is the co-owner of Quantum Rehabilitation, and she's been in the health and wellness industry for over 26 years now. She's always been into sports and fitness, and she's got so many degrees, diplomas, and certificates that I won't even go into them. Um, But one curious thing when I looked at her CV was she actually represented Canada in the 1995 World Aerobic Championships, which is pretty cool. But the thing that really attracted me to Kathy when I first met her was that on the top of her amazing understanding of how the body works at a scientific level, she has this really spiritual and gentle side to her, and it rubs off on everybody she comes into contact with. Now, uh, I think she gives quite a lot of this credit to her 15 plus years as a yoga instructor, Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, there's even more to it than that. Anyway, through her exercise therapy and yoga fusion, which she's really passionate about, she's really helped me to start to listen to my body more, which I am so grateful to because it's been a catalyst to so many wonderful things that I'm sure that you guys will um, get to join me on as I go forward into my coaching journey. Anyway, I'm so proud to have Kathy Clark on the show today to talk a little bit about ancient wisdom and modern science. Hello, Kathy, and welcome to the show. Hello, Vinay. So lovely to be here with you. When we first met and we planned um, the topic concept for this podcast, which I love, is all about ancient wisdom and modern science, it really emerged right at the very end of our meeting when you had to rush off to another thing. <laughs> and I, I loved how, but I really loved how it all just kind of came out and right at the end. And once that that idea like came out of your mouth we both knew that that was the topic we've been looking for so i just thought yeah i just thought it'd be really cool for our listeners if you could just sort of kick off um the show by talking about um why that that concept is is so important to you um for sure Uh, i've been in the health and uh exercise industry for 27 years, Vinay, and just over all of those years, we really gathered a lot of information and knowledge and techniques. And as we've gone through the years, just as a clinic and as a health professional, 
I found time and time again that if I can ground some of this ancient wisdom that's been around for 2,000 plus years and really tied into today's modern research and science, then suddenly that information that people might scoff at, it gets really validated and suddenly they're going, okay, well, there, there's probably something here if it's been around for 2,000 years and it's only now just been validated with science. Maybe I really should try to, to ground this into my everyday. Cool. That is a perfect segue too. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what ancient wisdom you do use in your work? So my training is as an exercise therapist, an exercise physiologist, and um, always have been fascinated with the human body and anatomy and physiology. And then in my later years have tapped into yoga. So finding this really amazing ancient modality that's been around for, they think at least 5,000 years. And finding that if, if I start to integrate some of those practices and some of that knowledge with my current knowledge from an exercise therapy standpoint, I'm seeing different results with people. And um, so specifically, you know, using things from the Yoga Sutras or the Upanishads or even tapping into Stoic philosophers such as Seneca. So just, yeah, using those ancient um, texts and those ancient philosophers just really ground into, into modern science a little more. Okay, and that, that last bit just broke up just a tiny bit. Um, yeah. But I, I, think, I think what I heard you say was just, just using those ancient philosophies and tapping into those texts um, and combining that with your, your physiology and therapist work, that really has been making a difference for your... For yeah, your exactly. So, um, and to give you like a concrete example of that, um, so in yoga we use something called Mula Bandha. So Mula Bandha is simply engaging your pelvic floor muscles. And I've even been in uh, yoga teacher training sessions where people are running the sessions off at, you know, this, this thing called Mulabanda. <laughs> but what we know now, um, what came out of the University of Queensland in the 1990s was, you know, Mulabanda, which is pelvic floor, we now know is what co-contracts with your transverses of dominance which is the foundation for our spine and our core. So that's a really concrete example of, yeah, what they knew then. We are now just beginning to validate and just really beginning to understand the importance of some of those things. And that's funny. That's, that's something that I've definitely learned by um, working with, with you as a physiologist <laughs> and as a yoga teacher. Pelvic floor, pelvic floor. Pelvic floor, that's so <laughs> important. Posture and pelvic floor. Yeah. Because we've got a lot of coaches listening to this show. So um, what advice or like what could you tell coaches about pelvic floor? Is there anything they can use just with their clients about just knowing to engage this core through? Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, the number one cause of most aches and pains, believe it or not, is posture. And probably with your coaching clients, if, if they're doing a lot of work behind a computer, we're not meant to sit. Um, so just encouraging them to move as often as they can throughout their day. 
But in addition to that, the foundation of your posture, it sounds really bizarre, is your pelvic floor. So when you gently engage your pelvic floor, so please forgive me, but the feeling of stopping urine flow or the feeling of busting and you need to go to the loo, those muscles co-contract with your corset, your transverses, and it's the foundation of good posture, and good posture is the foundation of moving, um, moving well. Okay, that's awesome. I'm sure everybody listening to is, you know, trying to, to engage their pelvic floor to think, oh, okay. Suddenly sitting tall, that's right. Chin yeah. in, shoulders down. That's funny too. I started this uh, conversation sitting down. I've got one of those desks that moves up and down. And as we started, I like, oh, actually. <laughs> oh, well gosh. done. Yeah. Uh, the impact you've made on my life, Kathy. Ah. Fabulous. Okay, so let's let's switch gears now. So we've talked a little bit about the ancient wisdom that you you use into your in your work. Let's talk about the the science so people can see that other side too. Okay, for sure. So um, a lot of the research that has has come to the foresight in the last sort of ten to twenty years, we have access now to of course ultrasound imaging. We also have access now to called um, fMRIs. So in relation to the fMRIs, we can now see what meditation does to your brain. So we know within a, within a two-month time frame of consistently doing even just something as simple as five to 15 minutes of meditation or mindfulness, we can see on these fMRIs that the amygdala, which is our fight or flight um, center of the brain, it physically shrinks so that people are not always in that highly combative, highly anxiety situation. Um, and it also really enhances the hypothalamus. So we can, can see sort of the benefit of meditation in real time. Um, yeah, on the other side of the coin with what's called EMG biofeedback, so it's a way for us to really delve into muscles. So they use fine needles, which sounds horrific, to test different muscle groups. And that's given us some really great insight into which muscles are the stabilizers, which muscles we tend to really overwork, and which ones tend to become injured more easily. And based on that information, how to really rehabilitate people more effectively. So just to add two examples of of the science that sort of come to light. And I would just want to just quickly touch back to you. You, you spoke quickly about um, meditation or mindfulness practice and that five minutes really makes that difference. And kind of, I kind of paraphrase that into shrinking my inner fear. Yeah, well, you're shrinking yeah. your amygdala. <laughs> yeah, very cool. My amygdala. Uh, but um, can you just for, just for the people who don't know the difference between meditation and mindfulness, is it the same? Is it different? Can you explore that just a little bit for us? I think probably um, meditation in terms of yoga, there's an eight limb branch that is connected to, to yoga and meditation is sort of that final limb, that final stepping stone. We use the other stepping stones just to simply quiet the mind enough that we can sit and meditate. But there is no real difference in the sense of if you're focused in the moment, if you're connected to your breathing, you're practicing meditation, you're practicing mindfulness. Um, more specifically to meditation, of course, are things like mantras. 
And a mantra is, if we translate the word, just means a vehicle for the mind. So a mantra is used to give the mind something to anchor to. So for a lot of us, just sitting and trying to just create this blank screen is, is really impossible. So we can use the mantras to give the mind something to do so that we can begin to transcend into those deeper, deeper places within the mind. Um, a mindfulness practice is more so just really looking at what's coming up, learning not to react to it, so creating space between response and stimulus, or stimulus and response, I should say. So I think meditation is more deeply connected to the yoga world in terms of what people's expectations are. And I think mindfulness is probably more, um, more of a user-friendly term for people that are worried about getting to woo-woo stuff, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay, I like, I like that definition that you gave. Mindfulness is just being able to let things come up and not react. Um, mm. That's really cool. I like how you've simplified that concept beautifully for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and if we practice that more regularly, um, you know, in our day-to-day basis, day-to-day practices, then we start to see that roll over into our relationships and with our family members and with our clients where if something's coming up, we have a little bit more of a buffer zone where we're not instantly reacting to what's coming up. We're able to sort of sit back, observe, and then decide how we want to react rather than respond. Absolutely. I know practicing mindfulness with my daughter, for example, you know, just don't react. (laughs) Just breathe first. (laughs) It's been great. Our Um, greatest teachers, that's for certain. (laughs) So just one more point about meditation before we move on. Um, Do you have a favorite mantra that you use? Um, I really love the so hum mantra. It's it's such a simple mantra, but it it simply means I am. So it's that reminder of that eternal question, who am I? And in yoga philosophies, right, that's a really powerful question to to ask yourself during your meditation. So every time you inhale, you silently repeat so. And every time you exhale, you silently repeat hum. And you're just using that question as your, as your mantra. Fascinating. That, yeah. But it's also, it's also an answer too. I am. It is. That, <laughs> and that's the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the trick, right? You ask this question and if you get an answer, you actually haven't gone deep enough, right? So if you keep asking the question... I'm a mother, well, no, that's not the true essence. I'm a teacher, well, no, that's not the real essence. So when we get to that point where we no longer have an answer, then you have found the answer, which, yeah, is such a beautiful practice. I love it. I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hum. Yeah, so hum. That's lovely. Thank you for sharing that one with You're us. You're welcome. Okay, so, um, oh, wow. We need to, we need to get a move on. Um, <laughs> Um, so many things to cover. Yeah. Okay, I do want to talk about fundamentals because I know, you know, from our chats that, that fundamentals and getting those right is so important to you. Can you just tell us a little bit um, about why, uh, about what your, the fundamentals um, you teach your clients are? For sure. Um, I think no matter who you are and no matter what your intentions are, We have to really look at what are the rituals and processes that we need to put in place on a daily basis 
to really bring that intention to life or to make it a reality. So it doesn't matter how smart you are, how rich you are, if you don't have the health to get up and pursue those ambitions or those intentions or those goals. Um, yeah, just always keeping in mind that our health is our greatest blessing. So in terms of, of fundamentals, um, I think, and they're so basic, right? Fundamentals always are, and we always kind of overlook what is appears to be basic. But just my fundamentals are eating, exercising, meditation, and just getting enough sleep, which people really don't think of as a fundamental. Like it used to be kind of a badge of honor. Well, I only had five hours of sleep last night because I'm working so hard. Uh -huh. Well, you're just, we know now again, funding or anchoring back into research, that lack of sleep actually causes, or they think is now linked to heart disease, cancer, stroke. So all of those huge diseases that we thought were really only related to um, our stress levels and what we were putting into our bodies. Well, sleep is a huge component to your wellness as well. Wow. Do you, do you ever get to deal with people who have sleeping problems? I can meet a lot of people these days and, and they have problems sleeping. It's not me at all. I'm like the world's champion sleeper. Um, and that's because you're so yeah. active during the day, right? Uh, maybe. Probably, I, don't. I think that's the secret to good sleep. <laughs> oh, okay. Active. Really being active in our day. So it is physically. Is, is that the message that you'd like to give out, you know, to any, any of the coaches there who are like, oh, wow, you know, I have, do have a really hard time sleeping. Um, where's the first place to look? I think the first place to look again is your rituals, your habits. So what are you doing two hours before you go to bed? So if you're on a computer, if you're watching television, you know you're just jacking up your system again. So really looking at what are your rituals two hours before you go to bed? And we know consistently going to bed at the same time is really crucial for creating good sleeping patterns. Um, and just having habits or rituals in place that really help you to wind down. So having a shutdown time where you turn off your technology and then, you know, two hours prior, maybe you do a few stretches, maybe you do your meditation, maybe you read a good book, but something that's really relaxing and soothing, music. And lighting is a big one too in terms of the research. So just getting rid of, um, in particular, the blue light that we get from technology is really unfortunately horrific for our sleeping patterns. So turning off the technology and just creating a routine or a set of habits, and you find yourself in bed at the same time every evening. That's really fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> I know that I'm going to... You're welcome. I talked to somebody in the choir yesterday, and she was, you know, I promised this I'm going to share this with her. That's just... Okay. <laughs> the cool thing about it is, is it's so easy. It's not like you have it to is. do you know, anything crazy or take medication or, you know, it's like, just look at your patterns. No. Some people will take um, natural medication. But yeah, just look at your patterns, and in particular you know, looking at what's stimulating you right before bedtime. What time do you have your last bit of caffeine? You know, which is another huge one for people. If, if you're having caffeine in the afternoon, then most likely you're not going to be sleeping well. Okay, that's excellent. All right, let's see. Um... I think I th we've, we've actually reached our 20 minutes. I have a whole bunch of other questions that so might be <laughs> an indicator that we've got to have you back on. <laughs> okay, for sure. I don't want to keep you 
each episode really short, Kathy, but you've given us some real gems that I, I hope that the coaches can take away. And one of the big ones, because I know, you know, hand up, I have been really guilty of this in the past, especially in the early days of my coaching career, but, you know, working those late nights, not turning the computer off when it's, it's working stop time. Um, so coaches, mm. listen, <laughs> turn your computer off, get good sleep, because it actually does give you better ideas and, and better motivation and everything for making your coaching business a success. Is there any other like a parting message you'd like to, to give on this topic of ancient wisdom and modern science, Kathy, to, the, to our coach audience? I think just exactly what you just touched on, that in order to really give ourselves in greatest service to the world, you have to take care of yourselves first. Okay, and we've got the list. Eat, exercise, sleep, meditation. Did I get, did I get everything? Yeah, and even if it's just 15 minutes of those four things, and sleep, sleep needs to be, of course, but 15 minutes exercise, maybe 15 minutes of meditation, stretching, or maybe journaling as part of your practice. But uh -huh. it doesn't need to be a great deal of time that you dedicate to these things. But best time of the day to dedicate those things is first thing in the morning. It's the easiest time of day to control before the rest of your day takes off. And it really sets the tone for the rest of your day. That is excellent. Thank you so much, Kathy. And that, I mean, that's My good. pleasure. For the coaches and coaches, for your clients too, as a, as a reminder. I know that we all know this, but it's always good to be reminded. So, Kathy, if you know anybody... what not to do is not to know, right? I don't know whose <laughs> quote that is, but... <laughs> but it's a good one. If, yeah. if um, people want to learn more about your work or um, more about your business, how can they find you? Um, we have a website, of course, so quantumrehab.net.au. And that's probably the easiest way to access us because all of our phone numbers and uh, contact information is on our website. Excellent. And for anybody who's in the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia, definitely check out Quantum Rehab. And Kathy's <laughs> yoga class is awesome too. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up there, Kathy. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Take care, Benet. All the best. Cheers. Bye.